Spring is in the process of springing, so there is no better time to talk about weather and no better person to talk about weather with than today's special guest. He is meteorologist Ron Rhodes. He can be seen on ABC 25 and Local 7, the eyewitness news stations in the Henderson-Owensboro area. I know that many of us wake up with him religiously each and every morning because from thunderstorms to ice storms, he has practically seen it all and reported on it all, and he keeps us entertained in the process. So we will find out how he discovered his interest in weather, what he enjoys most about the profession, the biggest challenges of his job, and what he believes to be the most important attributes of a -a one-of-a-kind weatherman. So get in that easy chair, but don't go to sleep because Blabbing in the Bluegrass Season 5, Episode 11 starts right now. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Philpot to Falmouth, Frenchburg to Fairdale, when you think the Commonwealth of Kentucky, you best be thinking of blabbing in the bluegrass as we thoughtfully and faithfully explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore coming to you from the palatial, prestigious North Quail Motel in beautiful Henderson, KY. And let me tell you, if you have an interest in weather, needless to say, this show is designed with you in mind. And even if you don't necessarily go out of your way to read about it or learn about it, you know, weather is something that impacts each and every one of us. And we can't control it, but at least we can dodge the curveballs by following today's special guest. He is meteorologist Ron Rhodes from Eyewitness News, ABC 25, and Local 7. You know, weather is no joke, especially when it turns treacherous. But Ron has a unique talent for uh, putting a fun and entertaining spin on everything with special features like the three-degree guarantee and funky fruit. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, we'll tell you a little more as we go along. But not long ago, I was privileged to be joined on this show by Miss Angie Humphrey, who partners with Ron every day on the Local Lifestyles program, which airs weekday mornings at 11 on ABC 25. And she said that Ron was an absolute blast to work with each and every day. And I don't doubt it. (laughs) I fully believe her. And we'll get a taste of Ron's entertainment coming up momentarily. But before we get to Ron, yep, you guessed it, we have yet another bluegrass brain buster. Hot off the press and ready for you. The goal is to do one of these at the beginning of every program. So we'll give you the question now. We will give you the answer 
in the program's final segments. Now, folks, since its startup, over one million Corvettes have been produced at the Corvette plant in Bowling Green. I want to know when the very first Corvette was rolled out of the assembly line at Bowling Green's Corvette plant. Again, since its startup, over one million Corvettes have been produced at the Corvette plant in Bowling Green. I want to know when the very first Corvette was rolled out of the Corvette plant in Bowling Green. So get the wheel spinning, but don't think so hard that you missed something that Ron Rhodes has to say, and we will reveal the answer in the program's final segments. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, today we have uh, a name that uh, no doubt a number of you are quite familiar with. He has been a weatherman in the Henderson-Owensboro Tri-State area for a number of years. He currently can be seen on uh, Daybreak and all of the morning newscasts on Eyewitness News, for that matter, including local lifestyles and the noon newscast. So we're going to pry his brain about weather and uh, anything else that uh, we happen to come up with. We're going to play Stump Ron. No, I'm kidding. Oh, all right. (laughs) I'll be ready for that, Sam. (laughs) But anyway, let's welcome Mr. Ron Rhodes. Oh, thank you, Sam. It's good to be on Blabbing in the Bluegrass. I've been a fan of yours for a little while now. So you've been on Lifestyles a couple of times with Angie and I just thought, you know, you've got such an infectious kind of like spirit that I just love. You're so upbeat and positive, and I just love that part of it. Well, I I sure appreciate you saying that, sir. Speaking of your partner, Angie Humphrey, I've had her yeah. on the show once as well. So, I, you know, I was hoping that she hadn't been spreading any vicious rumors about me. Or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, not less vicious rumors are, oh, you got to go on Sam's show. He's wonderful. Oh. That's not a vicious rumor. <laughs> Well, I guess not, but <laughs> I guess I owe her for saying that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you're uh, you're from Owensboro originally, but you but you live in Evansville now, correct? Well, just outside Evansville, I live in Newburgh. With my sister lives in Newburgh too, but I still have four brothers in Owensboro. You know where I grew up. Of course, I was born and raised there. Graduated from Owensboro Catholic back in the 1980s. Went to Western Kentucky University. And so it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a Kentucky boy. There's no doubt about that. And an Owensboro boy for sure. But yeah, yeah, I live over here in Newburgh. It's a little closer to my workplace and that always helps you out, you know, especially with gas prices as high as they are. I mean, getting closer to where you work is always a good thing. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> you know, they're really spiking these days. So at least it's a, a short commute from Newburgh to Henderson. And I know um, it is. you, uh, you have a wife named Marcia. Now, how long have y'all been married? Over 25 years. But um, yeah, that's that was a long time. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's working out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, and your son is Jordan. Now, how old is Jordan? Jordan is now 25. In fact, he just turned 25 last week. And yeah, so Jordan is, uh, he's up at Purdue right now, university, and he's in grad school hoping to become a teacher here pretty soon. And he's looking in a few different places, including Owensboro, I might add. So Uh if there are any uh, openings for a high school teacher who likes to teach uh, government and history, uh, contact my son. He's looking for a gig. See, (laughs) and and who who wouldn't want to hear about government and history? Those are two very 
<laughs> very fascinating subject. So uh, uh, maybe, maybe he'll end up teaching that. Uh, Oh, it's Pearl Catholic, where his dad went. So. He might. Or you know, got a couple of other schools out there, too. Davis County, Apollo, Owensboro High School. Yeah. He's open to those three. And, uh, of course, he knows, you know, he's got family there. My four brothers are still there. And, of course, my sisters-in-laws. And and then we've got, you know, family on this side. He's looking also in the Evansville Newburgh area. And sure. he's also looking up in uh, West Lafayette, where he is. He's got some friends up there at the Purdue University. So, yeah. There you go. So I- he, He's got a few locations. He's looking. Nashville, too. <laughs> Nashville so see his options are open for sure but uh, anyway Rod well first off sir why don't you tell us how your uh, interest in and passion for weather first came to be many moons ago well here's the thing and I I went to broadcasting school at Western Kentucky I graduated in broadcasting Rod. but I, I quickly found out you know I've always loved weather we I used to keep weather records I look in the daily you know, the Messenger and Inquirer used to always give like the highs and the lows and the weather page. It was really kind of fun. And I'd keep a log on that. Uh, I think the way a lot of people get interested in weather, if there's a really big weather event in their lifetime. And I'm old enough to remember, I was a kid back in the 70s, but we had back to back to back, just brutal winters. And we, especially 1978. Oh, the blizzard year. <laughs> the blizzard of 78. It was wicked. We had snow on the ground for months. I mean, we didn't see grass in our backyard until April. It was one of those type of deals. And we just have never seen anything quite like that since. We did have a big snow back in 04, but it, it didn't stick around that long. I mean, it stuck around for about a week or two, and that was it. Right. Except for those big old par- parking lot mounds, you know, they <laughs> yes. scrape up off the parking lot. <laughs> they stick around for months. But, I mean, sure. it, it, it was just – and that was the last year, uh, Sam, that the Ohio River froze over. You could ah. walk from one side of the river to the other or ice skate out there, and people did do that. We have not seen that since. I mean, anybody who lived through the blizzard of 78 and really the, the winters of the late 1970s can tell you they've never seen anything worse, and they hope to never see anything as bad again. <laughs> <laughs> I really. guess not. So, so 78 was the last Ohio River hard freeze. <laughs> yeah, that's right, where you could walk across, and you know it's only happened a few times in the least recorded history, so... But that yeah. was one of those times it really was. And so, yeah, that's that's when I really started to get interested in weather because it was so severe. And then, you know, in the 80s, you know, I got into a lot of different things, but weather was still always there, you know. And and then, yeah, then I went to meteorology school, uh, graduated from Mississippi State University, got my degree there after I got my broadcasting degree at Western Kentucky. And so then I was ready to go. And I've been here ever since 1995. I got the job at Channel 7 back. It was Fox 7 back then. Right. And uh, and they hired me on in 1995, and I've been there ever since. And we merged with Channel 25, so now I get to work with Wayne Hart and Stacey May, and I love both of them. Wonderful people and just as good a meteorologist as you're ever going to find. So, and of course, Joe Bird joined the team later on, and, and we've also got our newest members, Cody Bailey. Cody's from just up the road in Huntingburg. So we've got some oh. local people there, and of course, Stacey's from Gibson County. So we've got three of our five meteorologists from right here in the tri-state. And uh, so there you go. We've we know the local weather pretty well. We've been around longer than pretty much anybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? so, uh, I would say so. And uh, like you said, you've basically been in, the, even despite the merger, you uh, stayed in the same spot uh, pretty much for over, gosh, I guess we're up to 27 years now later this year. Yeah, it, that's so. right. Be the, I guess it was in August of 1995. That's when I actually hired, was hired on by Channel 7. So, August yeah, that was, that was a while back. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> you've slept a night or two since then, but just, just anyway. a few, yeah. But <laughs> I've enjoyed it. And Sam, that's the one thing I recommend to anybody. Anybody who might be in high school looking for a career or in college, you're still looking for a career, find something that you love to do. And I love doing what I'm doing. I've been doing this, like you mentioned, almost 27 years, and I still enjoy doing my job. I enjoy going to work. I work with good people. That always helps, without for a sure. doubt. Um, and I don't enjoy that alarm clock at three o'clock in the morning. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but other than that, I do enjoy it. Once I get into work, I, you know, I just, I, I love it. And so I, I don't know if a lot of people can say that, but I hope more people can say that, you know, down the line that they love their job even after 25 years plus. Oh, sure. And to prove that he loves weather, folks, he is uh, doing this podcast from uh, outside his house since it's such a nice day as we're talking. Yes. You might hear some bees buzzing by. It's funny, Sam. They always talk about, you know, you want cold days in winter because it'll kill some bugs, right? Let me tell you something. We had one of the coldest days we've had all winter just on this past Saturday. Uh, It was wickedly cold, even though it's, you know, it's still technically winter. winter. And I don't think they killed enough of the bees is what I'm thinking. They're they're buzzing all around out here. (laughs) They're still swarming, huh? Well, there are a few of them anyway. So if you hear me yelp or anything like that you know i probably got stung by a bee <laughs> oh goodness let's hope the, let's hope the bees don't get quite that close but <laughs> i hope not i hope not they, but uh, anyway yeah you uh like you said you uh you first started out at broadcasting school so you obviously had a a young interest in broadcasting as well so tell me about some of the radio and television personalities that you idolized as a child who perhaps inspired you to uh enter the realm of broadcasting yourself well, let me tell you something. One who does, does Kentucky Wesleyan basketball to this day, I grew up listening to Joel Utley. And Joel oh, might not him like me. Yeah, he's a wonderful man. And, and you know, Joel, Joel might not like the fact that I, I say that I was listening to him since I was a little kid, but I did. Joel started, he must have started fresh out of college or high school or something, but he's been calling Wesleyan games since the 1960s. Well, that's when I was born, uh, you know, in the, in the mid-1960s. And then so... Well, I, that's all I've known for Kentucky Wesleyan basketball has been Joel Utley. And I've, I've always admired his work. He's, he's so solid and he just has a passion for the team. So I, I, I grew up wanting to be like him to a degree, you know, I like sports and then also grew up wanting to be, well, maybe not completely like this person, but this is the one that really got me most interested in whether it was Marsha Yaki and you're not old enough, Sam, to remember Marsha Yaki, but anybody over the age, I say about 40, 45, would remember Marsha Yaki because all you had to do was watch her on TV once and you knew uh, that person was going to stick in your mind. She was a character and a half, but she knew the weather. And that's why everybody seemed to enjoy her uh, because she had a, a good knowledge of the weather. She was a pilot. And so, you know, pilots, they know the weather. They have to, their life depends on it. So that's, it's one of those things. If you're a pilot, you know, you, you know, your weather. And she did. And even though, uh, there are plenty of fun stories about Marsha. Probably can't talk about them on this, uh, this podcast. <laughs> They're not that. all G-rated necessarily. <laughs> nope, not at all. Not with Marcia Yaki. But she was a piece of work, but she was also it was so fun. I just remember when we were little kids in the 70s, and you know, mom would say, well, you could stay up late and watch Marsha's weather. And Marsha did her weather like 10, 15 at night. And so we'd watch Marsha's weather. She started out at 7, and then she moved over to 14 later on. But she worked at both of those locations. And she was a, she was a legend. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. And <laughs> Angie mentioned her too. I think she spent many a night uh, alongside Marsha Yaki as well. <laughs> oh, well, I don't, I don't know if anybody could stay the whole night with Marsha. It was, she was something else. She really was. Uh, yeah, I know. But, no, 
<laughs> a long but, night might have <laughs> all night might have been asking a lot but then uh, i know uh, in the 80s uh, a tri-state radio talent by the name of big bill love first came to owensboro and i know you probably got an ear full of him didn't you well i did and i listened to bill and here's the thing and and he would be on also he would do like the uh i guess the commercials that ran before the movies at the theaters in owensboro so you go to the plaza twin or the you know there used to be a plaza twin theater i don't think it's there anymore of course but I mean, you went to the Malco and all these other places and, and it was Bill and he would be, you know, this was big Bill Love. I'm behind the screen, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm here to tell you about some deals they've got down there at Don Moore or something like that. And, um, and that's another thing, uh, you know, Don Moore has been around for a long time. Of course, his dealership, as long as I can remember, of course, he's passed it on or he passed it on to his sons and that sort of thing. But um, that catchphrase, it's almost become as big for me as it has been for him. Because I'll have people come up to me all the time and say, it's hot, Ron, in the summertime. <laughs> Instead of it's hot, Don, yeah. <laughs> Instead of it's hot, Don, right. And so they say, it's hot, Ron. I thought, well, we got a little, uh, you know, it kind of works for me, too. It rhymes. And my dad's name was Don, so it works out. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, that's a, that definitely fits like a glove for sure. Now, uh, like you said, you uh, graduated from Owensboro Catholic and went to Western. Did you do any um, radio or television while you were uh, at Western there? Well, only on the campus radio. <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> Back then, Sam, I was a big fan of, of like jazz music or alternative music. Well, that that wasn't the, the, what the station played that I was at. And I would play my own records. And finally, the uh, radio director and the, the uh, program director came up to me. Good guy. He was a senior and I was like a, a sophomore or whatever. He goes, Ron, you know, I like this music too, but that's not our format. You've got to change it to these songs. You see those records over there in that, in that little tray? Those are the ones you play. You had <laughs> so to stick thought, to the right. format, yeah. Stick to the format, yeah. That, I kind of strayed from the format. My radio days were not long-lived. Let's put it that way. Oh. Then I went into, then I did some television work a little bit uh, before, you know, it, basically in just in the classes and that sort of thing. And, and I, that's where I started to excel. And I was getting a lot of uh, good push from my uh, professors and that sort of thing about how I should probably you know, consider this as a career because I, I did a did a good job on it. At least they they said I did. So well. I took it to heart. And and then I then that's when I kind of started into broadcasting from there and then kind of yeah. found my niche in weather just because I'd always loved weather. And I thought that's that'll be a perfect niche for me. And it's kind of nice to get those things. It's like it all comes pretty clear at a pretty young age (laughs) now now uh i'm a western alumnus as well and when i was there this the uh the station was revolution 91.7 i believe when you were there it was new rock 92 wasn't it yeah i believe so i believe so it's been a long time sam that was back in the late 1980s when i was there yeah so yeah it was but i know you remember the uh the one and only bart white yes loved bart (laughs) and uh, in fact both whites i remember more than any other two teachers Bart White, of course, he was Mr. Radio. Also, I don't know if you had him or not, uh, but Steve White. In fact, Steve gave me the, the best compliment I think I ever had. He said I was I was the best talent he'd ever seen come through there. And I keep in mind that was back in the 1980s. He was a younger that? guy, but he, he but he uh, retired I think a couple of years ago. But at the same time, that was that was really nice to hear. Although, let me tell you a quick story about about Steve White. Oh sure. And um, Steve, you know, Steve basically knew that I was pretty good in front of the camera, but he knew I wasn't very good behind the camera. And, <laughs> and it was one of those deals where when you're in class, you know, everybody has to play a different role in the television studio. And some of them are directors and some of them are like camera people. And, and some of them are obviously on air people. Well, I, when it was my turn to be the director, 
Steve knew I had trouble punching the buttons at the right time because directors, I admire directors. You got to hit the right button, have the right camera in the right place and do all that kind of stuff. And you're, you're basically orchestrating the whole cast that people, you know, if you punch the wrong button, people will know it, you know, it shows somebody, you know, the camera standing in the corner or something like that when it's not supposed to be there. So punching the wrong button is a bad thing. Anyway, so he came up to me and of course I'm a starving college student and he slapped down right next to the director's board. He slapped down a $10 bill. He said, Rhodes, if you don't make a single miss punch, this entire uh, newscast, then you can have that $10 bill. But if you oh. do make a mistake, it's I'm taking it back. Well, then the, the pressure was on, but man, I was starving. I'm like, that's 10 bucks. Well, there I am. I'm going to, I'm about halfway through the cast and I look back at Steve and he's, he's watching me direct. And I go, look at that, Steve, not a single mistake. And he said, the cast is not over yet. Well, sure enough, with about five minutes to go in the newscast, Ron hits the wrong button as per usual. And I just see, oh, this no. hand, I see this hand come up, grab that $10 bill and swipe it off the table. And I never got that $10 from Steve White. That's oh, that's hilarious, boy. <laughs> Back then, that would have uh, that would have bought at least two fast food meals. <laughs> well, at least. Here's the deal. Now, I don't know if it's still like this, but they used to have a buffet at Wendy's down in Bowling Green. And it wasn't on campus then. I think there's a Wendy's on, on campus now, but it was just a little off campus, like a couple of blocks off campus. You could walk there. And I just remember one time I only had $5 uh, for an entire weekend. And I thought, I'm going to wait till the middle of the weekend, and I'm going to go to the Wendy's Buffet. And they had a buffet. And I just loaded myself up on just $5. It was fantastic. Uh, oh, you don't gosh, get several plates full. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, there aren't too many places that have $5 buffets anymore, I, I would imagine. <laughs> Those are few and far between, I'm sure. But that's a, that's a, a fond memory. But then uh, from, from Bowling Green, you went to um, – Mississippi State. Now, how, how much time did you spend in Starkville? Well, now, here's how I did it. This is the way I, I worked my classes. It was actually, I had already gotten a job in broadcasting uh, in Owensboro, and then I started working up in Lafayette, Indiana. I got a job up in West Lafayette, and I was actually doing some news reporting and also uh, weather anchoring, but that's what that was about the time. It, it's, it's, it's a different world now, Sam, but back in the 80s, getting your meteorology degree was not the norm. And there were so many meteorologists. Marsha Yaki never had a meteorology degree. She had her pilot's license, so she took weather classes. But it's like it just wasn't as common. But you could you found out in the early 1990s uh, when I was up in West Lafayette, which is where Purdue is, by the way, so it's kind of interesting. Sure. My son's up there now. Yeah, that, small world. Yeah, and what I'd had to do is get my meteorology degree if I really wanted to be successful. So I signed up for classes through Mississippi State or uh, Purdue, Purdue. I was up at Purdue, and I thought, well, they've got a great weather program, your meteorology program. So I signed up for classes, and before I started classes that fall, I got hired on down in Paducah, Kentucky, at the NBC affiliate WPSD. Oh, so, Channel 6, uh-huh. Channel 6, that's right. Uh, and so loved working there. And so, but when I was there, I thought, well, I've started the program. What am I going to do? Well, there's a National Weather Service office. In fact, it's the National Weather Service office that governs Owensboro. It's actually based in Paducah. And so there was a weather office down there. And what I would do, they would send me books. They would send me videotapes, lecture tapes of the actual class. I would watch the tapes after hours when I was off the clock. And then I would study and I would go to the National Weather Service office. They would put me in this empty room and they would bring out the test. They, I tested there, at, you know, at the office, and after an hour, they'd come in, grab the test, 
put it back in the envelope and send it to Mississippi State. And that's how I worked every one of my tests was with at the National Weather Service office in Paducah. So yeah, so I, and I learned a lot from those guys at the Weather Service office too. It's really kind of a lot of fun. And then I got my degree and that's when I moved back home pretty much not long after that. I worked in Paducah for two years, loved it there. It's a wonderful place. The only problem with Paducah is it's a little bit far from home. You know, it was about two and a half hour drive to right. get back home. And when that opening came at Channel 7, that's when I, you know, that's when I looked into it. Here's a funny story, Sam. Uh, this is, <laughs> I applied for the job at Channel 7. Didn't think much of it after that. And it was Halloween. I remember distinctly, it was Halloween, uh, I guess it was uh, 1994 is what it was. Sure. And um, I get a phone call. And of course, I'm dressed up as Fred Flintstone. Uh, because we're about to go to a Halloween party. And so I pick up the phone. I go, yabba dabba doo. Just like and, Fred uh, Flintstone. <laughs> just like Fred. And it was the news director. goes, uh, this is Dave Smith. I'm the news director over there at uh, Channel 7 in Evansville. Can I talk to Ron Rhodes? I said, yay, body boy. Uh, go, go get him right now. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, he ended up hiring me. Now, what I did, though, I, I, I kind of put them off for a little bit until they got a new ownership group. And that was not until the following year. I said, guys, because it was, it was a little iffy right there. They were owned by some institution. I don't know what it was, but they weren't into broadcasting. That wasn't their business. And they were looking to sell. I thought, I said, Dave, I appreciate it. I said, once you guys sell, you know, and you got a good ownership group, I will come work for you. And sure enough, they got that the following year. And that's when I signed on. So that was in August of 1995. But yeah, I'm surprised they even gave me the gig after what I did with that yabba dabba do to answer the phone call. It just <laughs> happens to be somebody wanting to offer me a job and I'm sitting there acting like Fred Flintstone. How about that? Oh gosh. <laughs> they probably got a nice laugh out of it. Too bad the recorders weren't rolling. They might've put that on the air. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they might have. I don't think he- I don't think he expected anything, but there I was, you know. <laughs> that was a friend. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, a nice, <laughs> a fun way to be caught off guard, I guess. Now, uh, there's something yeah. that stands out, Ron, for almost every broadcaster about their debut on radio or television. So when exactly was it that you uh, first appeared on the television set? And what do you remember most about it, sir? Well, actually, my first uh, gig in television was at uh, what used to be Cable 2 News in Owensboro. I worked right there at home, and it was actually you do the news on Cable 2, and you did the news on WBJS Radio AM. And we also did news on 96 STO occasionally. So, I mean, it was all right there in that one area on, you know, West 60. Oh, uh-huh. And, and so that was my first gig, and I just remember getting my, my – the first day, uh, I just remember being very nervous – I remember my mom being very nervous, too, because I was still living at home at the time. And I think she was worried that I'd make a fool of myself, which I probably did. Uh, but I just remember being really nervous about that. It's been a long time since I've been nervous being on television. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah. But after 20, 27 years, you know, you don't get as nervous, right? Um, you relax eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So anyway, that that was a lot of fun. And and I really enjoyed my time there. I worked with some good people. I've, I've been so fortunate to work with a lot of good people. And I've got a lot of good memories. And one of the best things about things like Facebook is that you can keep in touch with these people. Whereas before, it was so much more difficult. Look, I've got my issues with Facebook and privacy and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, as far as keeping in touch with family that's spread out across the country or with old friends, especially in this business, Sam. And I've noticed in television, a buddy of mine, Jake Boswell, who's working, by the way, for Independence Bank now, he worked with me on the morning show for the past four years, but he just got a job 
over at Independence Bank. I think he was looking for better hours. I don't blame him. He's got two little kids under the age of five. It's wrong. He wanted better hours. And so, uh, but anyway, Jake once told me, he said, broadcasting is like basically the professional equivalent to living in an apartment complex because you have people coming and going all the time and you would make friends. And in order to move up in this business, for the most part, not always, uh, but for the most part, you've got to move to a bigger city. And, you know, sure. I've seen so many of my friends, you know, move on to Atlanta and to India, especially Indianapolis, to Louisville, a lot of uh, former uh, Channel 7, Channel 25 people in Louisville and just Nashville and just other places across the country. And it's, it's kind of tough because it's like we're also spread out. And once, you know, make these friends and it almost seems like as soon as you make them as a friend, yeah, they're gone. But then fortunately, we've got <laughs> other people that fill in the gaps and they're pretty cool, too. Yeah, you've got um, Brad Bird, who's been there since yep. before I was yep. born. <laughs> right, right. He has been. He's been there since the 1970s. Uh, right. Wayne's, Wayne has been there since 1990 uh, or 91, I believe. So he's been he's been uh, in Evansville a little bit sooner than I was. I didn't come till 95. Uh, but we've, we've got a lot of experience uh, there at the place. Uh, Shelly, I think, came in about the same time Wayne did in the early 1990s. So oh, Shelley yeah, Shelly Kirk. Yes, yeah, so, indeed. Uh, <laughs> now, when, when were you at Channel 2? And I was for 1990, uh, 89 okay. and 90. Those were the two years I was there at Channel 2. And I got a job. That's when I got the job up at West Lafayette is later in the year on, in 1990. And I was up there for three years, which spent two years down at Paducah. And then I came here in 1995. So I've been Say. at it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So you took a, a little mini grand tour, if you will. <laughs> but, yeah, I did. Well, the thing is, I've always lived in either Kentucky or Indiana. I mean, at every point in my life, it's I've lived in a lot of different places in Kentucky and Indiana, but always in Kentucky and Indiana. So really, I am, I mean, uh, kind of a hometown guy. I mean, yeah. it really is true. <laughs> exactly. This is, this is you all the way. Now, besides being from this area as you are uh what else in your mind makes living and working in the evansville tri-state area so special ron i think what's special about it is i've had so many friends and family here i think that's a big part of it I, I just love being close to family i've got four brothers and a sister and we get together a lot um i mean other things that are special too and what i like most about it is first of all it's like we you know we've got a low cost of living uh, I think we've got a lot of good-hearted people here. I think that's always a plus. And I've been to other places. I remember when I moved up to northern Indiana, and y'all liked it up there, but it was gray, it was cold. The people just weren't as friendly up there, you know, as a, as a rule. Believe me, there were I made friends up there, too. Well, but sure. Just, but in general, it just seemed like the people up there just weren't quite as friendly as what they are down here. And I missed that. Now, when I went down to Paducah, plenty of friendly people there. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, and they were almost they were almost like family. So it's almost like the farther you move north, maybe it's the cold and the gray. I don't know. <laughs> Makes people a little edgier. And that doesn't help. Friendly. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think sure. it helps anything. I really don't. So but I, I like it here. I just like the people here. And like I said, I, I just think it's a wonderful place. It, here's the thing. I mean, I know we don't have like an ocean or, or a beach like but that makes those vacations all the more special when you think about it. I'd, I think I'd almost take it for granted if I had like a beach close by and or the Gulf of Mexico. I know a buddy of mine, uh, he moved down to Destin, Florida. He was actually stationed at Eglin Air Force Base. He was working in the Air Force. And, um, you know, he started complaining after a few years of being down there. He said, sand is everywhere. We've got sand in the car. We've got sand in the house, all this kind of stuff. And he was always talking about how the sand was getting everywhere. And I'm thinking, man, I I'd love to be down there in the sand, but I get it. I mean, after a while, you might take it for granted. It's not quite as 
enjoyable. Now we can enjoy our beach vacations, you know, get away yeah. from home and, and still come back to this nice, friendly place that we've got here in the tri-state. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. I've wondered the same thing, too. If you're from Florida and you live on the coast, where where's your vacation? But Yeah, that's, that's but, what I'm saying. But anyway, yes, living here, that makes it uh, all, the, all the more enjoyable. Now, I must say, one of my earliest memories of you was um, – when, um, well, you were on Fox 7, of course, which later merged yeah. with uh, with 25. And that was right. when um, Sam Yates, another one of my former guests, he was doing yes. radio in Evansville at the time. And uh, I remember I happened to be listening to the radio one day when uh, Sam called and woke you up. <laughs> yeah, 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 that was a, I was working evenings back then. And, and Sam would call me up, you know, it'd be like five, six o'clock in the morning, which now, keep in mind, I was working evenings. I'd be up until almost midnight or beyond, you know, especially when I had a little kid. And, and you know, and I did. I had a little infant. You know, he was Jordan was born in 97, and I was still getting calls from Sam in 1997. I know that. Oh, and uh, <laughs> Sam was a piece of work. Funny, funny man. He really was. He did great impersonations. And we used to have a ball on radio together. I know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, I believe he did a, a Tom Brokaw impersonation back in the day. You know? <laughs> yeah, he would, he would do that. And here's the funniest thing I could tell you about Sam. You know, we're on the radio. He calls me up early and he's, he was talking about how dry it was. We were in the middle of a drought and uh, he goes, he goes, Rhodes, how about, how about you grow a beard until we get an inch of rain? And I thought, <laughs> OK, I'll do it. <laughs> well, that was on a Friday morning. And anyway, I didn't think anything of it, and but I did start growing the beard that weekend. My news director calls me into the office on Monday. He says, Ron, we don't want you growing a beard on the air. I said, well, I, I've already committed to it. He goes, yeah, you've already done that. So let's just go ahead and let it let it go this time. Uh, but, you know, this was before these no-shave Novembers. So I started, right. growing the, I started growing this beard, and I'm telling you, it was growing <laughs> – what it growing months, you know, a couple of months later, I'm still growing the beard because we had not gotten an inch of rain. That's how dry it was. <laughs> and, then, and then I'll never forget. Finally, finally, before the fall festival, we were showing pictures, you know, on the air of what I might look like here in a couple of months. And we'd show pictures of ZZ Top, uh, the guys with those really long beards in that rock band, right? Yeah, and it's exactly. Like, I'm, I'm thinking this, this beard's going to be down to my knees here, but, you know, it goes much longer. But anyway, so uh, it was right before I remember it, the fall festivals, early October. And finally, we got an inch of rain, and I got to shave that beard, and we made a big deal out of it, of course, as only Sam could do. We went down to a barbershop, you know, and we had, we even, he brought in a barbershop quartet. They were called Soundproof. And in fact, they've actually sung at some St. Louis Cardinals opening day games. So that least, name sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, Soundproof. But there aren't a whole lot of barbershop quartets around, but they're there, and they sang, you know, the Ron's getting, I think they made up a special song of Ron getting his beard shaved, uh, you know, right there at the, at the uh, barber shop, so that was a lot of fun. And like I said, that's the kind of stuff that Sam would do. You know, oh, he'd get sure. things going like that and have a beard growing contest until we got enough rain. And sure enough, I grew a pretty good sized beard. I found out right then, though, Sam, that I never wanted to grow another beard because it was like three or four different colors. Uh, it was white, had a little white in there. It was brown. It was even reddish too in some parts. So we're actually about three different colors. But it was a multicolored, ugly beard, and I thought never again. Oh so God. I <laughs> haven't grown a beard so plus they itch too much i found out they itch a lot that's hilarious now, how, how long how long did it take you exactly to get an inch of rain from the time you made that promise do you remember well it was it was it, it pretty sure it was in late july uh that we made it so it was all you know the end of july uh, and then all august all september and then finally we got it in the first week 
of October. So it went over two months, about two and a half months. Oh gosh. So you, you could have put a ponytail in that beard. Yeah, pretty much. It was, it was a long beard. I mean, I have, to shave, I have to shave every day. Otherwise it will start to grow. I mean, I've got one of those beards. It's fairly thick. So yeah, it, oh, was, gosh. Uh, it was quite a, quite a beard that I had going. Oh, that's, a, that's a neat story to say the least. Now, Ron, I'm convinced that uh, regardless of um, which area that you live in or the type of weather that you're attempting to forecast, there are always unique challenges that uh, meteorologists have to face. So uh, just out of curiosity, what do you believe to be the, the biggest challenges of uh, making weather predictions for the uh, eyewitness news viewing area in particular? Without a question, it's forecasting snow. It, it, now, here's the deal. And this happened just this past winter. If I were to forecast on Monday and say, we've got a chance for some rain on Thursday, people would say, okay, it's going to rain on Thursday and, you know, not think anything more about it, right? If I right. say it's going to snow on Thursday and it's Monday, I'll have people saying, well, how much snow is it going to be? And what are the times it's going to be? I'm thinking it, it's four days away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like people want to know exact amounts and they want to know exact times. And you could pretty much give them that about a day, maybe two days in advance, but never any earlier than that. But, be, you know, and I get it. I mean, because snow could really kind of stifle you. And especially anybody who's old enough to remember all the snow we had in December of 04. And of course, all the snow we had back in 1978 with the blizzard. I will say this, though. Uh, one of the funniest uh deals that ever happened to me about forecasting the snow and we all make our misses and you know i, I hit more than i don't i know a lot of people don't think so about any weatherman or weather woman. <laughs> you do i can vouch but, for it <laughs> but we do and uh and you know we could see severe weather coming for days out a lot of times so i mean we can get you prepared for that and that's the most important thing now i will say this though uh it was about 20 years ago i was still at fox 7 and i, I called for a forecast of flurries and I came into work the next day and 12 inches of snow later. Uh, and, <laughs> and I, my, my nickname was Flurries for the rest of the day from everybody at work. They go, oh, Flurries, you have any trouble getting to work in the Flurries there? 12 inches of Flurries? <laughs> and, and then a, a couple of days later, I got a postcard from a lady uh, up in Dubois County, Huntingburg, and she uh, wrote, Ron, you were right this week. I'm thinking, man, it's about time I hear something like that because I haven't heard that yet this week. She goes, you said there was going to be light snow, and you were right. It snowed while it was light, and it kept snowing till it was dark. Ah. It snowed while it was light. <laughs> and then you came on and said that snow is going to taper. You were right again. It tapered right up to the top of my porch. <laughs> the top of uh, my porch. <laughs> well, you weren't lying. There were flurries. <laughs> well, there were it's big flurries. <laughs> and a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. Yes, indeed. Oh, that's so funny. And then, uh, yeah. of course, who can forget the uh, the ice storm of 2009? When you see it just raining, it's just raining and coming down and freezing on contact. That's when it is the worst. And it did that for over 24 hours back in 2009. And that yeah. was in January of 2009. January 28th, I believe, is when it started. And it was raining. crazy yeah, yeah yeah and uh, a lot of a lot of people lost power but uh yeah they you... did and, and we lost a lot of trees too and that was a sad thing you'd go driving you know through western kentucky and you know all, just about everyone got hit hard but i mean you get farther down south around muhlenberg county and and in that area man it was just brutal what the ice did to those trees oh yeah it was no joke that's for sure no not at all it wasn't a joke <laughs> anyway sure. it was it was dangerous stuff but anyhow uh rod as a as a weatherman on uh, 
Evansville's former Fox 7, you were seen in the evening. So uh, just out of curiosity, what are, uh, in your mind, the biggest advantages of working mornings as opposed to evenings and, uh, and vice versa? Well, I found out, you know, of course, I had a child at school, both, you know, he was all throughout grade school, I was working evenings. And then throughout his high school career, you know, I was working mornings. And I will say this, working mornings, uh, even though at first I thought, boy, this could be a different deal. Uh, I like it better. And I like it better because I'm finished at 1230, Sam. I'm done for the day. Now, a lot of times I'll take a nap. Today I'm not. And, but at the same time, you know, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, <laughs> after we get done, Ron, you got my permission to take a nap. <laughs> but, I can, but I can enjoy this afternoon. And that's what I love about it. I'm not there at the station until 11 o'clock or midnight. And I did that. You know, we all work our different shifts. And really, to tell you the truth, there's no good shift in television for the most part, because, right. you know, you want to be when people are home, that's when you need to be on. So when people are generally home, that's when you've got to be on the television. So it's going to be early in the morning or it's going to be later in the evening uh, when you're going to have to be on. And that's it can be kind of tough on that. But I tell you what, I got to spend more time with my son on this morning shift. I had my evenings open, uh, you know, so, so when he had these competitions. Uh, in the evening, I could go to those. And when he had all these different, you know, like he did a lot of drum line, I would travel with him and I could do that on the weekends. I had the weekends open. I had my evenings open and I, and I got to spend more time with him as long as he could get to school. And really to tell you the truth, Sam, kids in the morning are no fun to be around. <laughs> right. They're, they're no, they are not. They're, <laughs> they're not saying much because they don't want to be, you know, out of bed and going to school. But, you know, when you catch him, and I'd always pick him up after school once I worked in mornings, and I'd go down there and pick him up from Evansville Memorial High School is where he went to school and graduated from, and I could pick him up every day. So I got to see him. He was in a better mood. He was out of school. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. and I got, to, I got to spend the rest of the day with him. So it, it, anything he had going on at night, I could see that too. So I really like my shift. I, I liked evenings too. Don't get me wrong. Well, sure. Uh, but, I just, but I just think mornings were better for anyone who's got children. I think mornings are a better shift to have. Yeah. Because like I said, yeah. As long as you get somebody to get them to school on time. How's that? Yeah, as long as the kids get there, then that's the, that's the only thing you got to worry about. Now, I know that uh, right. the first newscast is at 5.30, so I'm guessing you're probably there by, what, 4.30 or 5 every day? Yeah, 4.30. You know, yeah, our first cast is actually at 5. I mean, we get up there that early, so we, we've got the oh, 5 o'clock. We're, we're basically going from 5 to 7, we're on ABC 25. And then from seven to nine, we're on the CW7. So we go 25 for two hours, seven for two hours, but it's all continuous for us. For the viewer at home, they have to switch channels. For us, it's four straight hours. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a marathon, you know? <laughs> By that <laughs> yeah. last hour, you know, you better have enough coffee or some hot tea like I've gone to now. It's like in your system, get that caffeine to keep you going. Then we get a break and I get to come back and work with Angie. And I love that. She comes in for Lifestyles. And she's, she's a pick-me-up, too, and that's just a nice way to end the day. And, of course, you know, doing the new news, and I do it occasionally now. Joe Bird is now starting to do more of the new news. But, I, you know, I'm usually around putting stuff online. I mean, I'm still there in the weather center uh, taking some, you know, my weather forecast, putting it on the website, all that kind of stuff. Just We call it clipping video. And I get to see the pet of the day, you know, every day. They bring them into the studio, most every day anyway. They'll sure. have a live pet in studio if they can make it. And it's just, that's a great way to end the day. I get to see a pet, you know, even though it needs to be adopted, but like a cat or a dog or, or sometimes it's a bunny or something like that from the local humane societies. And it's like, that's a great way to end the day. And then you get to go home, you know, at 1230, you're, you're heading home and you're, you've got the rest of the day ahead of you. And I love it. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's, there's nothing like furries to cure what ails you, is there? <laughs> Absolutely right. That is a, 
if you've had a bad day, it's nice just to hold one of those puppies or one of those kittens, you know, that need to be adopted. So, and plus it seems like it does some good. When people see these animals on TV, I think it really hits home just how cute they are uh, and just how needy they are for a home. They need a home. Right. And it leads to a lot of adoptions, no doubt. Which <laughs> Yes, it does. Yes, it does. From what I've heard, it does. And that, that's wonderful. Well, that's that's what it's all about. Now, a popular feature of yours uh, that puts a morning smile on many faces, myself included, is the ever so fabulous funky fruit. <laughs> funky <laughs> I need to work on that a little bit, but anyway. Uh, you, did, you did fine, Sam. You did fine. Just roll tried, that R. You gotta roll well, that R, but <laughs> I'll tell you how that got started. That's been going on for about 12, 13 years now, I guess. I was started that back at seven. Uh, before the merger. And I, I will say this, though, it didn't start out as a funky fruit contest at all. What it started out is, I mean, in the summertime, you get a lot of the same old days, it's gonna be 90, 95, you know, hot, humid, with a slight chance for showers and thunder showers popping up in the afternoon, right? Sure. I mean, how many times do we do that, you know, forecast, in, you know, in the summertime, and I thought I wanted something that was going to help out, you know, give me something other than that boring forecast to give, right? So I wanted to do a biggest tomato growing contest. So what I did, I started to, um, telling all the viewers i said you know let's see your biggest tomato see how big you can grow it you know i'll weigh it on a scale if you want to send it in bad idea there or if you just want to give me a picture i'll trust you just put it on a scale well they kept sending me in these tomatoes and you'd be surprised how uh <laughs> how rotten and funky a tomato can get when it's stuck inside of a box for two or three days oh i can uh, imagine you, <laughs> you pull it out and there's water dripping and it gets a whole lot funkier but anyway so when i first started that was kind of the way to do it and so what I did, um, I would put it on a scale. Well, this one guy, he sent one in, and it was like a tomato with like a nose and two ears. It was a funky looking tomato. It had like <laughs> eyes or whatever. It was a tomato face. He goes, and he wrote a letter and he, or a little note, and he said, Ron, this may not be the biggest tomato, but I bet it's the funniest looking one you've seen this summer. And that's that's what got it started. And I showed it off, and I, sure enough, it wasn't the biggest, but it was the funniest looking. He was right. <laughs> and then, then all these other gardeners from a great people garden, I mean, they, I've got, you know, gardens out here. I'm looking at them right now in the back. You know, I've got these raised bed gardens. And it's like, look, people love to garden. And a lot of people do. And so they were kind of topping it. They got, well, you think, then somebody else sent one in. You think that tomato of his was funny. Look at this tomato of mine. And so I started getting all these funny looking tomatoes. And that's when I started, I thought, I need to come up with a name for this because I was just getting bombarded with all these. <laughs> sure. And then it didn't stop there. People were sending in carrots and all this other kind of stuff that looked like, you know, carrot legs or carrot dancing legs and all this kind of, kind of stuff. And and then it's kind of took on a life of its own. And I called it funky fruit. And I know a lot of people say, well, it's not always fruit. No, but when it first started and when I first gave it its name, it was a, just tomatoes. And tomatoes are technically fruits. They've got the seeds on the inside. So believe I me, I've been, told, I've been told that by a few people that they're not vegetables, they're fruits. And that's cool. So that's why I called it, started calling it funky fruits. And yeah. it's a nice name to it. And yeah, I, I accept veggies too. In fact, Sam, I've been so desperate. During growing season, I'm bombarded with these. I love it. I love it all the time. Sure. <laughs> That's a good problem then, to have. It is. But, you know, you get in December, January, and February, you get pretty desperate for some funky fruit. And I have stooped as low as to show off funky Cheetos and funky potato chips. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> That's like those honey barbecue twists. That's about the, the funkiest shape that I'm accustomed to myself but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well some of them i mean i don't know some of these potato chips i guess they come out looking funky and they'll have like eyes and a mouth or something like that so i don't know oh that's but hilarious it, you know, it, so <laughs> it's all for fun it, it, 
they're just basically oddities that you find in nature as much as anything, I guess. And, oh, yeah. They're, they're fun. It makes so my day when I see some of them. <laughs> so feel free to send in whatever you got, even vegetables. But, you know, you can't you can't call it funky vegetables. That just doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's what I'm saying. You got to stick with fruits. You just accept more than just fruit. We, we're, we're open. Yeah. We take all kinds of all kinds of foods. Absolutely. And another uh, another way that viewers can get involved is through your um, three degree guarantee and your predicted highs get, uh, you know, they, they meet the criteria for your your three degree guarantee. Uh, what, 90 percent of the time? Yeah, I'm up there right now. I mean, it's, seriously, it's this is the toughest uh, season to do it, though. Springtime, early spring, late winter, early spring, when a little bit of cloud cover you weren't expecting or a little more sunshine you weren't expecting can make a world of difference. Temperatures can jump five, 10 degrees, you know, within an hour. And it's like, whoa. Uh, whereas, you know, in summertime, like I said, I mean, it, it's easy to be pretty much 100%. And, you know, I started, restarted this back in August. I was, I did it for years and years at Channel 7. Uh, we put it on hiatus. Now we brought it back because we have some prizes to give away. We thought, yeah, that'd be a good way to do it. Let's give away these sock caps right now. But we're going to transition to umbrellas again soon enough. We did that in the fall. We're going to do it in the spring. And we're supposed to have beach towels to give away, which would be cool coming up in summertime. So that's what I've been told. But anyway, oh, yeah. it's, just, it's just a nice way to get out prizes and to kind of show how accurate we are as far as forecasting the high temperature. And I remember, I mean, up until about a month ago, I mean, I started, restarted it in August. I'd only missed six, you know, since August. To me, that's pretty good. That's, uh, that's awesome. better than 90%. But in the past couple of weeks, you know, we go from 30 degrees on Saturday to 57 to 66 yesterday, we were seeing these huge temperature jumps and dives and all that kind of stuff. And up and down like a yo-yo. Yeah, it makes it a lot tougher. There's no doubt about that. So I've missed Absolutely. a couple over the past couple of weeks, but uh, by and large, I'm hitting most of those. And it's, yes. it's really not much thanks to me as it is our weather technology that we've got. We've got a great computer system. Uh, and it turns out it's not just ours. We've got supercomputers really, you know, from the National Weather Service. We, we gauge them all. There's so much data out there. It makes it a lot easier these days to do that than it did when I first started, you know, back in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah, definitely. The technology makes a difference. So if Ron comes within three, if his predicted high is within three degrees higher or lower than the actual temperature, you win. And uh, how, how yeah. do they enter that contest, Ron? Yeah, they go online. It's tristatehomepage.com. And you, we've got at the very top, you'll see all these different buttons. It says news, weather, sports. One of the buttons says contest, though. And just one of those at the top, you hit contest. And you'll see it. It's the three-degree guarantee. We've got a couple of them, too. Of course, we've got uh, the Donut Bank Breakfast Club. We give away mugs. Those are really cool mugs, too. But, I, you know, I, the, the three-degree guarantee, yeah, it, it's it's there. And I just love that it's back. And I, I have a lot of – it's a challenge. And I and I don't mind. And the people will say, what do you do when you don't get it? I, I fess up. How many people go up there and say, hey, I missed it. But, I, you know, you know, if I miss it, I'll tell them I missed it. Uh, but, like I said, this time of the year, that's when it's the biggest challenge. But I like challenges. It makes – makes it more fun yeah it's a good challenge and you know if you're yeah <laughs> as long as as long as you're right uh the the amount of times that you have been you know people will people will give you a mulligan on occasion so <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> although it's funny when we first started this years ago sam what they wanted to do was when i missed it for me to give away a prize i said no then people are going to root for me to miss i want them to root for me to make it and plus i'm going to hit it more often than not so we want to give away a lot of prizes not just a few so yeah, they, they saw what I was saying then, and so we decided to give it away when I hit it, not when I missed it. Exactly. <laughs> That's for sure. And uh, we can't wrap this thing up without also mentioning that you are now the voice and face behind the Tasty Tuesday Spotlight on uh, Eyewitness News Daybreak. So you're going to 
different restaurants and uh, sampling their food. Now, I must confess, I did not catch it this morning. Where, where were you this week, Ron? Well, this week is Stromboli week in Evansville. So there are like eight restaurants participating. It's kind of like what they had in Owensboro a couple of weeks ago with Burger Week. And I believe me, I was hitting about as many burger joints as I could in Owensboro, and I loved them. I will say this, though, Dee's Diner won. And, you know, I had a taste of that, and I'm not surprised. That was a really good – it was almost like a Monte Cristo. It was like a uh, French toast burger. It was almost like a breakfast burger. French toast for the buns, and you had an egg in there and a burger. It was really, really, really good. But, yeah, this is Stromboli week this week, and that's what I did. I went to three different places in this week's Tasty Tuesday. It's earlier today. And we hit them Rock-A-Bar. Uh, this again, this is an episode. We had Rockabar, we had Dante's Highland Pizza, and another good place too is on Franklin Street. A lot of good places on Franklin. This is a Franklin Street Pizza Factory. That's a really good place to get a Strom or anything, really. So, yeah, I, I that's a good gig to have, Sam. I'm telling you, I'm not going hungry on this gig. If you're not careful, that'll uh, <laughs> that'll lead to some <laughs> intense white guy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, a lot of times I only take like one bite, really, but. Yeah, I learned that from Joe. You know, Joe Bird had that for a few years. Now that he's taken over for Jake and he's the morning news guy, it's kind of fallen into my lap to do the Tasty Tuesday because he's he's got the news to deal with, and I get right. it. So, uh, but Bert, Joe did give me some good advice, though, and he just basically said, Ron, you know, sometimes you just take one bite, and you just can't go eating the whole thing. Uh, I'm not here to be, do man versus food. That's not my thing. I just want to have some food, some good food. That's all. Yeah, that's, I would have a hard time not eating the whole thing when they said it in front of me. But anyway. <laughs> well, good good thing I've got a couple of camera guys that are usually with me and they, they take advantage of the rest of that burger, you know, or whatever I might be exactly. eating. <laughs> they finish off what's left. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. It does not go, it never goes to waste, Sam. Never does it go to waste. Yes, food never, <laughs> food is never left over. So, uh, nope. you know, join, join Rod every uh, Tuesday for taste. Tuesday. And if you've got a restaurant that uh, Ron has yet to visit in the tri-state yes. area, I guess they can uh, go to tristatehomepage.com and let you know about that as well, correct? Absolutely. Or just go ahead and email me. It's Ron Roads, actually, R-R-H-O-D-E-S at tristatehomepage.com. Or you can, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter as Ron Rhodes. I'm also on Facebook as Ron Rhodes, Ron Rhodes Weather. I've got two Facebook pages, one professional, one personal. Uh, either way, any way you can get it to me, uh, feel free to get it to me, and I will try to get uh, get to that place. Because, yeah, any place in the tri-state, I want to hit as many as I possibly can, especially if they're locally owned. I'm not really looking so much at chain restaurants, although I do those. Uh, I'd rather do a locally owned, like, mom-pop place. Those are a lot more fun. Yeah, exactly. And you get a nice local flavor too. So that's just, uh, yeah. And I, I think you help out a business that could use some help. I mean, I think uh, these chains are usually doing pretty well. I mean, and, and they, they should be, I mean, a lot of these chains are great food, uh, but we've got a lot of great food too at these local locally owned places. And I, those are the ones I like to hit first anyway, and then I'll hit the chains also. Indeed. Yeah. But <laughs> local places come first. So don't yep. hesitate to reach out to Ron and uh, let him know about it. Well, Ron, this has been more fun than the law should allow. I hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. You're just such a joy to talk to. I really enjoyed your time. Oh, gosh. And, and thank you for giving, you know, some time to me just, just to sit there and tell you some stories. That's all I really like to do. Tell stories. Well, Hey, I'm, I'm all about stories. So, uh, you know, bring, bring them on anytime. Now, lastly, I want to know, uh, for those that are interested in perhaps pursuing weather as a, mm -hmm. uh, future career path what in your mind sir are the most essential attributes of an effective and uh, trustworthy meteorologist 
I think your best bet is to find a good uh, meteorology school. You've got two programs really close to here uh, that, you know, we've had, you know, graduates from, including myself, Western Kentucky University has an excellent uh, atmospheric science program. Uh, and you've got Purdue University. They've got an excellent program there. Valparaiso, a little bit farther north up around Chicago, they've got an excellent program. I mean, in Kentucky and Indiana, we've got some good programs, but I think Western, I mean, it's just right down the road. It's not far. And if you're in Owensboro, that'd be your best bet. They've got a good program down there. And plus they've got a good broadcasting program. And if you want to go on television and do the weather, like I do, I mean, that would be your that would be your best bet. You get yourself a broadcasting or a meteorology degree, get a broadcasting minor, and that's the best of both worlds. And I think you're going to make out okay. Uh, so that's that's my my goal. And plus, I mean, just basically keep up on technology. If you can get an internship, that is almost always your best bet. Your senior year of college, uh, if you can get out there, spend a summer. Uh, maybe it's your hometown station or something where you can stay with your parents. It's usually not a paid gig, right. uh, but you you will learn so much. I can't tell you how many interns we've had, not necessarily weather, although Cody Bailey, our newest uh, member of our storm team, you know, he's one of the power of five there. Uh, Cody's from Huntingburg, and he was actually one of our interns like about five years ago. So he was an intern. And because they know the equipment, now they know how the, the station works. And they they just, you don't have to train them. I mean, Cody came in on day one and basically knew everything that he needed to know. And it was great because interns, I mean, we've offered so many interns in news and in weather a job as soon as they graduate. We would tell them, look, when you graduate, you got a job here if you want it because you you were good, you proved yourself. And plus, you know the station. We don't have to train you, you know? Right, exactly. They were <laughs> they already knew the ropes. And you're right, Western is one right. of those places where you can, you know, get your broad your broadcasting and meteorology all in one right there at the same spot. So <laughs> go tops. Yeah, go big red. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I second that. Well. Rod, thanks so much for joining us. Now, now go take that nap for me, okay? <laughs> Sam, you know I will, but I tell you what, I got to water my garden first, and then I'll go take that nap. It's oh, been a pleasure. Goodness. Well, it has been a pleasure on my end as well. We'll do it again, my friend. Let's do it. Boy, Ron Rhodes was such a blast. It was truly an honor for me to visit with him today, and I tell you, Regardless of whether or not you live within the Eyewitness News viewing area and you're blessed to watch Ron on a daily basis, there's a lot we can learn from somebody like him. And I think most notably, don't take yourself too seriously. Yes, weather is a very serious business, and you certainly can't take it lightly, especially when conditions deteriorate. But that being said, Ron has fun on the set. And because Ron has fun, his viewers have fun. His joy is almost contagious. So no matter what you do, no matter what the field, put the passion into it. And others will respect it, appreciate it. Most importantly, they will enjoy it. So thanks much to Ron for coming on with me today. I will link you folks to his Facebook page in my show notes so you can follow him and what's going on weather-wise 24-7 and he definitely will not steer you wrong. Now our next show, Good Lord Willin' and the Creek Don't Rise, it'll come your way March 23rd, next Wednesday. So don't you dare be late, but one last order of business before we finish this thing up and of course it is revealing the answer to this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster from the beginning of the show. And let's recap. Since its startup, over 1 million Corvettes 
have been produced at the Corvette plant in Bowling Green. I wanted to know when the very first Corvette was rolled out of the assembly line at the plant in Bowling Green. And your answer, June 1st, 1981. Hard to believe that was almost 41 years ago. But on June 1st, 1981, the very first of over 1 million Corvettes to be produced there was rolled out of the assembly line. Now, I was a grad student at Western when a sinkhole emerged in the Corvette Museum, and that was kind of freaky, even though <laughs> I wasn't there. Luckily, nobody else was, and nobody was injured. But uh, at the nearby Corvette plant, over one million Corvettes have been produced since June 1st, 1981. How insane is that? What a number. But anyway, another Bluegrass Brain Buster is headed your way next week. And between now and then, be sure to hit me up via email with questions, comments, guests, and topic suggestions. Bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. That's my email address. You can also... Hit me up via the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page. Please like and subscribe because all of my previous shows are there. You can stay up to date with uh, teasers on future programs as they are presented. They are generally presented once a week. You can make comments, leave messages. I love hearing from you there too. And you can listen and subscribe to Blabbing in the Bluegrass without paying one thin dime via five podcast directories, and more to come. But for now, you can follow us via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal, and the Wisdom app. So any or all of those five will connect you with us on a weekly basis so that I'm not talking to myself and you will never have to miss a single show as we blab faithfully and proudly in the bluegrass. So until we meet again next week, you know your assignment. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep on laughing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide because we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.